Sister Cindy Ashby on the board, uh, producer, engineer, extraordinaire. Man, it's been a beautiful week. Um, welcome to the, the blackest hour of your week. We got a great uh, show lined up for you today. Uh, whenever you get a chance, uh, check out uh, otwtube.com. Uh, OTW, that's on the wake up. Uh, tube, T-U-B-E dot com. Check us out there. So Rob, so how's your week, Rob? Uh, can't complain. Had a good couple of medical visits. Oh. Oh. All good, news. <laughs> good medical visits. <laughs> All right. Long as right. good news. Yeah. That's super. That's exactly. Yeah, that's, that's getting down to the essence of life. Yeah. So um, yeah, we got a uh. Good show lined up for you today, as I said before. Um, you know, we function in the spirit of staying closer, where we always look back in order to move forward. We look back to make sense of our present and give us direction as we move forward. Uh, <clears throat> um, I had a pretty good week this week. Um, I want to shout out uh, Rebirth Africa and uh, Chris Lambert. Uh, also, Lashana Lish- and Latoya Benjamin. Um, so there was this uh, program out in Uganda, Kampala, Uganda, this week, and uh, uh, they had asked me to present, you know, um, on Black Wall Street. So uh, you know, and everything is virtual nowadays. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you know, just speak about Black Wall Street legacy and reparations and uh, the oppression of black people as far as uh, colonialism, neo-colonialism, slavery. I mean, we got to be conscious of what racism really is. No, no, um, like where can people find it? If the people who yeah, listen, I got to get, get the link. I got to get a link. I got a video um, that uh, Latoya took for me. Well, yeah. I they were streaming it. But I don't have the link just yet. But I'll get it shortly. But yeah, they have a, a big, uh, a big program going on out there. They're trying to, uh, yeah. So there's a push to reclaim the, the, well, make sure that Africa isn't just used for natural resources. That they actually may contain the, the uh, elements of production mm-hmm. in uh, Africa, so they can get some of the the benefits 
of adding value to natural resources and hence creating jobs and, uh, you know, wealth, building wealth. Yeah. So, um, uh, they're, they're trying like to do the that. Model. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, to, to, to start us out today, we we want to start out by saying a uh, happy physical uh, to uh, one of one of the people I look I I look up to supremely in Cornell West. Uh, his oh, birthday is this week, and um, Curtis Mayfield. I mean, <laughs> just I mean, I've just always been a huge Curtis Mayfield fan. I mean, talk about movement music. I mean, just smooth <laughs> as hell, right? Curtis Mayfield. Um, uh, so, uh, today, this week we're going to be discussing a few things, um, uh, not limited to, <laughs> including, but not limited to, uh, Naomi Osaka, right? She, she's, she's, uh, the, the person of the moment, it appears, you know, the idea of, um, um, taking a stand. I mean, everything, ain't, everything ain't for sale, right? <laughs> Money don't make me a slave, God damn it, you know? So, um, and some of, we're going to discuss some of the responses to that. Uh, today we represent that is uh, this week is the anniversary of the March Against Fear, mm-hmm. and um, uh, James Meredith, one of the most colorful uh, individuals in in Black history, James Meredith marched against fear back in 1966. Um, we're also going to be discussing three Supreme Court cases: um, McLaren versus Oklahoma. Uh, West versus Painter and Henderson versus the United States. The reason why we're going to discuss all three because all three were actually uh, ruled on in the same day by the Supreme Court oh, back in 1950. On the same day. Okay. On the same day. And um, uh, they are precursors to the Brown versus Board of Education, which came about five years later. Yeah. Right? So we'll, they like built on each other. Exactly. Um, also, we were going to uh, discuss the anniversary of. Uh, uh, the not guilty verdict for Angela Davis. Angela Davis was found not guilty this week back in 1972. As of course you know, she was uh, uh, <clears throat> Jonathan uh, George. Sorry, I'm blanking. Jonathan. Why am I blanking? Jonathan and George. So that uh, George. Why am I? I'm having a brain fart. That's all right. Uh, who would be. <laughs> Soledad brothers. Um, aye, aye, aye. George Johnson. Jonathan Johnson, right? Yeah, yeah. My, my mom. Johnson, right? Johnson. I should be ashamed of myself. We got to take notes. <laughs> I, 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 I got to commit. Jackson. Jackson, Johnson, Jackson. Uh, Jonathan Jackson. Uh, so, uh, John George Jackson, of course, the uh, Soledad brothers. Uh, uh, and uh, his younger brother, 17-year-old, um, got his hand on a pistol and uh, held the judge hostage. <laughs> well, who even thinks and, of uh, that? was subsequently... Huh? <clears throat> who, what was the plan? Like, once you uh, take a judge... Only the judge ransom to, to, force the, the, uh, to force them to release his brother. Okay, but you're already... Both literally in the courthouse, you, there there is no, no thing that works there. No, no, his, his judge, his father, his brother was already in jail. Yeah, but so they're he, not going. 
you're on the way to jail. Dude's already in jail. How far do you really like? There, there was really no good end game there. I think he was a 17 year old kid. Okay. <laughs> he's a 70 year old kid. He's a 17 year old kid doing something for his brother. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <Be> for effort. <laughs> I mean, at least he wasn't scared. <laughs> I'll give you that. You know, I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> I like I like the spirit. I just hoped that if if it came down to me, that they would plan a little better. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but there was no I like, yeah. Actually, if you like hear the story, like even the guys who get the guy who it was Angela Davis's gun, but Angela Davis didn't physically give it to him. Yeah. So the guys in the guns, like hey, maybe I shouldn't have gave it to him, you know, yeah, you know, because they they he, they didn't know what he was doing. I think he he took it upon himself. It's my understanding, and um, yeah, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, they tried to indict Angela Davis with that charge. Um, yeah. And so people don't, people say that Angela Davis is not a member of the Black Panther Party. That's true. But she did take some heat for her. <laughs> she did take some heat for the affiliation. Uh, and I don't think she ever backed down from that. No. But not that I've heard anyway. She did take some heat for the affiliation and uh, she was charged in that crime, but eventually found uh, not guilty. Mm-hmm. Found not guilty. Um. So, yeah, <laughs> free Angela which Davis. Even, <laughs> which today, I mean, at any point in time, that's a crazy charge to try and beat. Yeah, but you know what? Um, before this, mm-hmm. right, I, I always find it this interesting. Um, Ronald Reagan always had a thing out for Angela Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, he tried to have her removed uh, from um, from university in California when he was governor, right? And then when he became president, you know, I, 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 what else did he try to do as president in the 80s? Um, I'm blanking. That's something he tried to do. So he, he did something against her as governor in California. And then when he became president, he gave another go at it. I forgot what the second attempt was. But, um, yeah, I mean, they they tried to attack Angela Davis. And, um, you know, um Yes, she she did the test of time. I, I guess I could say. Um, Pretty cool. Also, <laughs> also <Okay>. this <laughs> also this week uh, we remember the founding of the American Negro Theater uh, here in Harlem, USA. H World Stand Up, the American Negro Theater, uh, which actually uh, was founded in 1940, uh, and it gave birth to the careers of Harry Belafonte and uh, Sidney Poitier. Right, um, you know, and I'm always interested in uh, institution building because you need institutions to build those figures. All right, um, again, like for instance, a lot of folks uh, who claim to be Malcolm X fans, they don't like the nation. But the reality of the fact is, if there was no nation of Islam, there would be no Malcolm X. No one's giving an ex-con an opportunity to be a national spokesperson, other than the nation of Islam. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's, just <laughs> it's not going to happen. So, you know, we got to appreciate organizations and institutions because we need them to create uh, individuals, give individuals opportunities. And so um, the American uh, Negro Theater uh, did just that. And it was found on June 5th, 19, 1940 by Abram Hills and um, uh, Frederick O'Neill. Um, and good old Harlem, USA, as always. You know, the Mecca, the Mecca, the Mecca, the Mecca. Um, Do you think it's still a center uh, for us? 
Can I guess? Or do you think Harlem is still considered a cultural center in that way? Uh, the Apollo still exists. Yeah, Apollo um, exists, but you know, <laughs> and the last time the Apollo was cool was when like Showtime at the Apollo was still big. Well, uh, you know, uh, I actually went to a fashion show uh, there yeah. uh, within the past couple of years. Um, is a, a a black designer, like the first black uh, bespoke tailor on Savile Row, uh, Oswald Botang, and. Um, he actually came to Harlem to do a show. I forgot what he's commemorating. Uh, it might have been because he's he's Ghanaian. Um, so I'm not sure if he is. Anyway, whatever, whatever the case is, he came here. And then, yeah, so it's still symbolic, right? It's still used uh, for a multitude of things. I think they were even supposed to be doing, uh, or before the pandemic, they were converting uh, one of Tahiti's coaches' books to, to, to the stage. I think they, yeah, I think they were going to do Between the World and Me and convert that to the stage, a stage production of Between the World and Me by Tennessee Coates at the, the Apollo, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it's pretty interesting. Um, but uh, what I wanted to start off with today is the, the Marsha Gaines sphere, James Meredith. Uh, so James Meredith, um, so Donnie M. Whitehead is, is my mentor. And uh, one of the guys that he kind of looks up to old, old, a, a gentleman senior, more senior than his, his senior, uh, he's my senior, uh, the number that's his senior is uh, Joe Mack. Uh, we call him the, he, he's the, the spiritual embodiment of King Joseph, right? <laughs> uh, he's the one who taught, he taught uh, Mr. Whitehead how to read hieroglyphics. I mean, uh, Joe Mack is a real black master to the, in the highest order. He's one, he's a, a, a physicist uh, who uh, upon being told that he had to cut his hair to work for NASA, uh, went and uh, rejected that, <laughs> went back to law school, actually went to law school with James Meredith. <laughs> he and James Meredith went to Columbia Law. Um, and so, yeah. And so he, he, and then Joe Max eventually went on to be uh, one of the great civil rights attorneys. He was Joe, he was Al Sharpton's attorney. And um, uh, he single-handedly and did racial profiling on the Jersey Turnpike um, during the during the eighties. Um, he that was back when profiling first really kicked off too. And uh, yeah, he mouthed off to a cop. Cop broke his jaw, and then he said, "This is I got you right where I want you." He he, he mouthed <laughs> off to, to incite the cop, and then uh -huh. they realized who he was. Oh, that's that's Al Sharpton's attorney. <laughs> it's a trap. Like, yeah, he got him right where he wanted. Uh, got a couple million out of that deal, of course. Mm. But um, anyway, to say that he says that, yeah, he met his descriptions of James Madison. James Madison is a James Madison feels he's the smartest person on the planet. Mm. <laughs> uh, he's ex-military, mm -hmm. um, and he felt that uh, Stokely Carmichael and Martin Luther King were going about it all wrong. Okay. Um, he famously. Of course, he's the one who, he's the first black person to graduate in 10 classes at Ole Miss. Mm. And um, he did it with the protection of uh, the National Guard. Mm. So, you know, he's going to class and the National Guard has to stand by him while he's in class studying. Uh, so much so, there was an incident and one of the National Guards got killed. Damn. 
And he felt that he was smart because he said, that's why right. black folks shouldn't have to die for this. It's white folks killing white folks. That, that's how it should be. <laughs> so he felt that he was ahead of the curve. And um, with the March Against Fear uh, this this week, back in the 1966, 19, uh, mm-hmm. uh, he didn't want anybody. The, the March Against Fear, people think of a march, you think of multiple people. You know, James Madison did this by himself. James Madison didn't organize folks. He just he's trying to tell folks you said I have no fear. Just, just do it. And it was supposed to be a couple of days, uh, March, and on the second day, <laughs> he is in Mississippi now. Lo and behold, he gets shot. <laughs> they shot him. And so, of course, you know, the, the, the his section of the march had to end. Um, uh, Martin Luther King and Stokely Carmichael, at this time head of the NWA, of the head of SNCC, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, come to visit him, and they said they're going to continue it, the march. And he vehemently disagreed. He didn't think they should do it, but they did it anyway. <laughs> He's an hospital. He can't stop him. And this is a, a one of the more memorable news clips of Stokely and King marching. Uh, if you've not seen this clip. It was that it was that march, the march against fear in Mississippi, where they're carrying on. Now they have an organization. You know, uh, James Madison isn't by himself, but the King and Stokely are not. They're going to have a couple hundred people with them. Well, safety in numbers. And not this hard. is where <laughs> King. They asked the reporter asked King about nonviolent resistance and does he still believe in it? Uh, I guess in response to um, uh, James Madison being shot, and he mm-hmm. says, "Of course." Um, I, I can't quote him verbatim, but you know how King does. King, which he probably said, uh, if if uh, you throw water on fire and it doesn't go out, you don't say water can't put out fire. You say, I need more water. You know, that's how, <laughs> that's how King talks. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the reporter pans over to Stokely Carmichael, and he says, do you agree? And Stokely Carmichael says, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and he's right beside him. Yeah. Yeah, he said, in other words, you're not trying to appease King by saying, I agree with you. It's, it, right. it, it's, it's, you, I'm a big it's, fan of having more than one strategy, and especially if your one strategy is, you know, duck. <laughs> but you but you got me, Stokely really isn't a national personality yet, right? And this right. is Dr. Martin Luther King in 66. Not like Martin Luther King in 66 is the man. Like, he is the sure. man. Like, you know I mean? No doubt, uh, but you know, not everybody's perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, you know, I mean, it's, it's into not for nothing. He's the. I. It's not that I even take anything away from King. I just, I still to this day disagree. I would have been, you know, I would have been one of those dissenting voices. Like, we, you know, no weapons. <laughs> you know, really? Can we at least have more than one? You know unit marching so if anything does happen we can flank them or something something fuck well, An you know that did something that did happen that yeah. did happen okay. unbeknownst to king i'm not sure i died unbeknownst to king see that's oh <laughs> but yeah the deacons of defense um you, uh, you shouldn't have to fight a movement's leader to preserve the movement's members well you're not fighting them you just got a pistol on you i mean he's not gonna pass you down you're not fighting them <laughs> Uh, H.R. Brown famously says, you know, when he did nonviolent protesting, he always had a pistol on him. They're not paying you down. Again, you're right. People have different beliefs. So, um, you know, I'm I'm saying self-defense, you know, self-preservation. 
That's right. That's the first law of nature. God obviously doesn't have a problem with self-defense or explain claws. <laughs> but again, it, it was a strategy. And obviously a strategy that made him very famous. And a strategy uh-huh. that tried to appeal to the senses of the world. Uh, that, that's, uh, uh, again, you know, it's a Christian ethic taken to the extreme. Um, but, you know, if you, I think if you truly believe in that uh, doctrine, then uh, uh, that is what you should do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what else? Uh, we also want to talk about investing in Africa. Yes. And Which is part of uh, what you mentioned earlier, and yeah. making sure that their resources aren't just continue to be exploited. It's trying to break that colonial cycle. You know, they should get something. You're talking about a resource-rich continent from top to tip, and it's these are all nations that should be leaders in a lot of cases, and at least manufacturing. These should be the kind of names that we, you know, there should be major companies coming out of that continent that we know the same way we know Mitsubishi or BMW. That's well, what, there's that's the like. <laughs> no, no, that that's, but that's not an African. That's not an African uh, company. You're, you're again, you're talking about something that's ex- benefited from the exploitation and exploitation of those resources <laughs> and an inflated market. They're selling shiny rocks. That is like the, it, uh, it, it, it is a South African company. <laughs> oh, what they do. Cecil Rhodes. Cecil uh-huh. Rhodes. I mean, uh, white supremacy at its worst. I'm, su- I, I'm, not, I'm actually the surprised. Trade is like the epitome of, the worst facets of capitalism and white supremacy distilled down. You know, it false he's scarcity, woke. a shiny. He literally, huh? he literally said that uh, they are inferior and that we have to civilize them. I, but that was like, a prevail. That was a prevailing thought amongst you know the European elite for a lot. That's how they justified and you know their existence and being an empire. Multiple you got, Negroes, you got Negroes who go and get uh, and, and Negroes who will get uh, excited because they get a road scholarship. They not to the same person. Yeah, <laughs> but that again, that's on us too. Though I mean, we we consider that a, 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 a big accomplishment. You know, that that was a big thing. Bill Clinton was a Rhodes Scholar. Whoop de do, and they would oh, proudly oh, go oh, to like a black oh. church and say shit like that, and nobody in the church would be like, "Wait a minute, fuck him." Cory Booker is a Rhodes Scholar. Yeah, well, it's Cory Booker. What do you expect? <laughs> yeah, man. We, but that's on I, us as a group. Yeah. You know, we need to be willing to call stuff like that out. Like, no, I don't appreciate that. These are supposed to be intellectual folks. I'm like, you, you wear that as a badge. Intellectualism I mean, has I, been used to justify <laughs> a lot of things, man. I, yes, you it know? has. And let's face it, at the end of the day, none of those so-called scholars were right. Yeah. yeah. But now, so with investing in Africa, all right, um, so here's the challenge. Uh, and it's, 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 it's like with all trade, actually, not, not just Africa. Uh, had establishing uh, a, a, an area of trust. Um, Africa... Uh, like most of the world, right? Uh, but you know, we the 
the the the folks in power, right? We're not talking about the masses. The folks in power have been rather corrupt, and so um, there is a sense of yeah, trying to establish trust. I think we need to work on building trust uh, and goodwill before you talk about investing, because you know you spend your money. You know what I mean? A lot of that is a PR problem, and that's again an internal issue too. I mean, if somebody were to say that they were investing in Tencent, a Chinese company, you're not going to have the same reticence you would. You don't have the、uh, stigma of like the Nigerian prince and the prank call, you know, that you're trying to overcome. So you need to have that kind of Investment in companies over there. You need that, and they have to pay out. I'm saying the trust has to be developed first.、Uh, you know, I think. Well, why do you the, think the trust is lacking? Because we don't have communication like we did in the '70s. I mean, or even before that.、Uh, many folks forget that Kwame Nkrumah actually lived in Harlem. You know, when when、uh, when Sophie Carmichael adapted the name uh, Kwame uh, uh, Kwame Torre. Named himself after Kwame Nkrumah. He actually knew、uh, Kwame Nkrumah. Kwame Nkrumah knew Malcolm X. <laughs> you know what I mean? He he was he was in Harlem. He he knew、uh, Schomburg. So there was okay, a definite connection. Where should、uh, which direction should that invest? That investment has to go both ways, though. It does have to go both ways. It does have to go both ways. If you look at、um, most immigrant communities, because that's a, that's the major difference. Immigrant communities have a tie to those places that are still going to be sending not just bodies and labor, but resources and funding back to build up places, quote unquote, back home, and then that money comes back and forth in the form of labor and、um, purchasing power what, what for items that are sold here. That's how you build an immigrant community because you have a trade back and forth. American blacks, we see ourselves, whether we want to admit it or not, as you know, fully American as we should. But that means that we don't have that kind of immigrant community to reach out to. You can't have one foot in one continent and one foot in another continent. Well, you can't have one foot in one continent and another foot in another. Well, well, you should be able to.、Um, not in the same way because you don't have the same、uh, direct ties. You're not all coming from Gambia. You're not all coming from West Africa.、Okay. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? You're not all coming from Ghana. So how are you going to have a, a Guyanese or Ghanaian, you know, area where you can have those businesses and that trade and those kind of almost unofficial ambassadors? That's so, how you have a Chinatown that starts out. Yes, all Chinese are not the same, but within the American pantheon, they are the same. <laughs> it, that's why you had a Chinatown, though. That's why you had a little Italy. That's why at the time you had a Harlem. Well, so、um, I guess the the problem here is ethnicity.、Um, yes. American blacks refuse to accept our ethnicity, and that hampers our fight. Well, I'm talking about、uh, some of the folks back on the continent as well. We have to see ourselves all as African. It can't. It won't work if I see myself as Ghanaian or I see myself as Nigerian. 
because then that creates infighting it too, right? But um, Africa is multiple countries. It is a continent. And there's nothing wrong with that. If Europe can be a continent and still defend itself and keep their identities. So what? They're false. They're not real countries. Whatever. Then how are they not real countries? How they because, because Europe carved out Europe in 1885. Okay. They they created Nigeria. They created Ghana. That's not sure. the people there. The people didn't create those countries. South Africa. But they so no, kept it. No, no black person had a, a hand in calling something South Africa. But they kept it. That's on. They, no, they, don't, they, they don't have control over it. Why so not? Because white folks still control it to this day. How? And what we, just, we just talking about the beers. <laughs> we, we were just talking about the beers, but that shit is flammable. Let's be real. There's to, plenty of weapons on the continent. There's plenty of weapons on the continent. There's plenty of militant movements on the continent. That's why we have an AFRICOM. First, South Africa just got their first black president in 1995 or 94, a country that's 80% black. Yeah, they're still dragging their ass on repossessing them farms. So I don't want to hear. No, if you look, if you 1994, when did China get back possession of Hong Kong? You see what's going on there. They just kicked the CIA out and didn't even bitch about it. They was like, no, you need to stop now. Hong Kong is about an inch long compared to the rest Whatever. of the country. I mean, <laughs> which, which is even more my point. I'm talking about an entire continent. Y'all motherfuckers can't get a couple of AK-47s together and work some shit out? You mean buy weapons I don't from the want, No, not buy <laughs> weapons from the U.S. There's one... AK-47s are like the predominant weapon on the planet, okay? And those don't come from the U.S. Okay. Well, you can have revolutions against each other, but you can't have a revolution to kick some motherfuckers off a continent. I'm tired of that. No, yeah, you, you cannot yeah, continue. Yeah, that, you cannot continue exactly to support it. the colonial that model exactly and bitch it. about that the colonial exactly model. It. Not as long as you got white Jesus, people call themselves Christians in Africa. When you have the creative religion, not when you depend on them for economic existence, not when you begging for support. No, you can't. Those are those are those are elements of slavery. You know, if you you never be free like that. Right now, but, um, we have the next upcoming major superpower, and that's why I'm glad that we are covering these because all three are connected. China is a rising economic power. You know, every indicator, even our own economists, have you know let it slip, and it's like, yeah, give it another ten years, they're going to be number one, and there's yeah. nothing we can do about it. Yeah. So we need to you know understand, and they're investing where? Not in Europe. Not in South America, not even in America anymore. They're buying up Africa. Yeah. So again, they know a good investment. Apparently, why has everybody else not done this? Why has Africa not done this? Europe, even when they did it, they did it in the most selfish way possible. So their short-sighted ass colonial model is even has never really done anything other than enrich themselves. You talking about? Uh, you talking about China? Yes. Their investment yep. schemes right now are at least building actual infrastructure. Yeah, so the nations that didn't support one another now have even less of a chance of supporting each other because it's not going to be within certain groups' favor. So here's a question. Where, where are Africans in the continent educated? Where are they educated? 
honestly, I don't know. I could, I could. They come to the United States, they go to Europe. They're not so educated. You mean tell they come over here. So you get a white education that's not going to, you, can, you can't wait, you can't allow your oppressor to educate you and think that he's going to teach you how to liberate yourself. So, Fair uh, enough, but you and I both know. received quote-unquote white educations. Kim Jong-un. Yeah, and, yeah. I to, and I had to completely lose that shit in order to be free. I had Kim Jong-un received a, that, a white education, and he's crazy as fuck. Shout out Ooh. to Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un. He was educated in the West, and look at him go. Well, that means his father did a real good job of the education. <laughs> <Japanese>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in other words, he, he did a good enough job to insulate him. <laughs> that, uh. that, that's a, it won't permeate. Don't, don't listen to that stuff too much, all right? <laughs> you know what I mean? But that, keep that stuff in perspective. Keep it, keep it, keep it in check. Keep it in perspective. Okay. Exactly. You got to keep that stuff in check. If you if you hold, if you you buy into everything uh, European culture tells you wholesale, then there's no way you can liberate yourself. Right? Because you, you're using their model. Uh, you have to, at some the point... The key is to learn you know, how to think, not what to think. And that's any indoctrination system. That's here, that's in Europe. That's, if you if you grew up in mainland China and, you know, have wrong think, you're just as screwed as if you have wrong think here. Exactly. You know? true. So, uh, so, the, so, so there have been folks who thought independently. You're Thomas Ankara. You're Kwame Nkrumah. Yeah, we you're, talk about those people who think independently every week. And they got killed. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> and replaced by the person who didn't think independently. The person who was like, "Yes, sir, yes, sir." The person no, well, those are a lot of the ones that make it into Congress anyway. I mean, we we got the same problem here, baby. <laughs> I mean, they get the weekend. well. I mean, there's those rare exceptions, you know, and then if you venerate those rare exceptions, you're called crazy, you know. You got mofos like Che and Mao that they had to, in one case, take the show on the road, and in the other case, rebuilt an empire out of colonialism. Say what you will about Mao, and I'm not trying to, you know, big him up for many reasons, but at the end of the day, he took a, a defeated people and reunited an empire. Under communism, fine, whatever, an empire by any other name, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I have the little red book. I studied the job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that if you're, I, I can look at that as the same way I'd look at Alexander the Great, the same way we're taught to look at George Washington, the same way we should yeah, look yeah. at Santonia. It, a great military general is a great military general. In the little red book, in the little red book, he talks about the black struggle in the U.S. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, listen. We are originators. Everyone pays attention. The strides we make are on the world stage. Mal talks about how the white folks mistreat black folks here in the United States. Every, in, especially in, in communist and social circles, that was supposed to be the final and the last great social uprising when black folks <laughs> got up and and started taking shit back. Do they realize there's only like 12 to 14% of us that make That's up all the United States? You know, you know what you could do with 12% of the population? Understandable, I mean, but that's not, <laughs> that's still, if you had a dedicated, you're talking about a military unit ready to go and a dedicated population. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a diverse group, uh, economically diverse, and 
culturally diverse too. But they so, all get treated the same. Yeah, but so that's still that, <laughs> that outside treatment has not. serves to, if anything, cause division over time. We were more united as a people when we were fresh out of slavery because, like I've said before, though that maltreatment wasn't there was nothing to blunt it at that time. There weren't the legal victories like the cases we were talking about with uh, uh, civil rights and integration on education. You know, the reason that those cases came up were because they were like, oh, you want to be a lawyer? Here, go sit in this barn. And you can listen to the classes through this fucking hole in the wall. <laughs> it's separate but equal. <laughs> during uh, during the Emmett Till trial, um, I've heard me mention this story before. Uh, uh, Charles Biggs Jr., congressman from Detroit, Michigan, went down to observe the trial. Right mm-hmm. at the time, we only had three black congressmen. And there's a funny story it says uh, where the Bailiff goes to the judge and says, this nigga over here says he's a congressman. And the judge says, a nigga congressman in Mississippi? Impossible. Tell this nigga. <laughs> tell that nigga. Go there with the nigga. <laughs> Listen, no matter what, the treatment is the same. So the treatment really should have unified us. And the treatment was unifying us before integration. Yeah, well, that was the point of integration, though. So it was, was unifying regardless of your economic status. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew they were black. Yeah. Regardless of your ethnicity, everyone knew they were black. There is <laughs> segregation. So yeah, the idea is to get America to actually live up to its promise, though. And I understand that should not be our job, but for whatever reason. <laughs> You know, the duty falls to us. You know? The words out of my mouth. Not my job, exactly. (laughs) It's not supposed to be, but, you know, by the same token, I mean, hey, you know, it shouldn't be Batman's job. It shouldn't be Superman's job, but you you do what you're called to do. Yeah. And, And it's not like it would be a fight that we could even run from no matter what. America dominates the world. And America is our home. So if we're going to fix any place, this is where we should be for that fight. Well, you, you know, um, plenty of times there, there, there are parts of the country that say they're going to succeed, right? There's parts but of the main that they're going to succeed. Sure, but they're fucking quitters, and they always lose, too. <laughs> they're quitters. <laughs> By definition, if you just go, all right, fuck it, we're leaving because we can't hack it. You're quitting. Well, all right, that's whatever. What but you don't I get to take the land with you. Huh? That's what the war is all about, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, and they're fucking losers, too. I rest my case. Hey, listen, they say the South never lost. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> what you say the that, South never lost. That's honestly a failing on the Union's part. I'm not a fan of how we executed that at the end there, but it was one of those things. It it wouldn't have had to end in a slaughter, but it would have had to have ended with an authority that Lincoln just really didn't want to exercise. I mean, if Lincoln didn't have our our best interests at heart, right? Uh, and, no, and he, but it, whether he had those interests at heart or not, he realized he was looking at the big picture. 
he was looking at, okay, how do I actually make that empire? How do I keep that chain going? And part of making that empire, that manifest destiny, was to, I have to integrate it to at least some point because this no, shit didn't. destroy it. No, he wasn't. He said, no. he said, whites have suffered a lot from being around blacks and blacks have suffered a lot from being around whites. And I can yes. see no other thing, other uh, solution than to send us back to Africa. He didn't want to integrate us. He wanted to send us back to Africa. Which was already going to be impossible because now you have some free states and some free slave states. So they once that cat was out of the bag, you would have had to round them up and then you got to round them all up. And then the next thing you're going to do is look at the Native American and goes, huh. I guess they, they, have have to to have, they have practice to do and round it up. <laughs> and then who would have been <laughs> The thing is, America was a little bit more diverse even along the European spectrum at the time too because then now if I start doing that you know nobody likes them Catholics and the Irish especially no, not the I, Irish I, Catholics I, I, you I, I already had exclusion acts I remind you they had no problem with that there was a home bull shite of 1864 1863 yeah. two years before where the they reason they were doing that was about free land yeah, they but had the no reason they were doing that was to try and settle that land so you wouldn't have more of the same issue with some states having different rules. This was about keeping the union together. That end of the day, that's what the Civil War was about. So even oh. after the Civil War, it was about keeping the union together. So I can't really persecute this war the way any other civilization would persecute a war of fucking traitors on our own soil. So I can't go real hard ball right now. I have to do just enough to keep it in together. Well, well, regard, That's okay. why regard Reconstruction that. went the way it went. That's why you did have free blacks who were rising to the point of going to Congress after that, but then entire towns getting obliterated. If you really wanted to protect the way that the Union was going, you would have kept the army strong. You would have kept the standing army. You would have disbanded it the way you did, and you would have had the National Guard or some form of the National Guard enforcing those rules. Well, that's the compromise of eighteen of, of eighteen sixty six, right? That that's when they, they 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 with the presidency. Whose whose presidency was that? It's when they cut a deal to allow the the, the Republican to be president, but in exchange for the Republican being president, they move all the troops out the south. That was the compromise of yeah, eighteen sixty six. Exactly. Right. What losing army gets to dictate those kinds of terms? We didn't even give those kind of fucking terms to the Japanese. 1877, sorry. 1877. So I don't want to hear. It, it, a lot went into it, and I'm not. So that's why I don't really like even going down that road. There's a lot of failure there, and that's part of what it comes down to. Is we're we're making up from past mistakes that were always half-assed. It's a hundred. We're talking about stuff that should have been fixed a century ago, and that's why you get the stupid argument. You said where, ago when black people for the American Revolution and were promised their freedom and it was denied. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean <laughs> you know, yeah. two and a half centuries ago. But okay, but that was still I I'll i am willing to even not overlook it, but <laughs> because that was between the United States and another nation, quote unquote. Okay, fine. But now you're talking about a civil war. Where there was no, there clearly was no outside antagonist. You may have had some investors and some armaments, but this was still an internal battle. Okay, so there was no, there were no more excuses where it's like, oh well, we can't really get revenge on them because they're all the way an ocean away. No, this was right here. 
you could have faced the problem, but you never really wanted to really get rid of it and get down to it. And also, and that's why you could have even had. That's how you could have even had a situation where you have a a Jim Crow South. Those folks that you consider uh, traitors in the South, those are your cousins. They were cousins and brothers. Remember during the Civil War, you had cousins and brothers. Yeah, that's how it's always still even taught and framed: brother versus brother. You forgive your brother, no matter what he does. He's your brother. Even if he stops you, you forgive him. Okay, but that has nothing to do with the great state of whatever and nuts. Those are artificial legal entities who can be punished, dissolved, or rearranged. That's the point of the law. Man makes law, not the other way around. Every time people forget that, you can have fucking atrocities. The assumption is that they consider it an atrocity. The, 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 what might be more accurate is that, you know, this is the way they were comfortable with it. It's not an atrocity if you're comfortable with it, right? right. If you're comfortable with genocide, it doesn't really, it's not really an atrocity. It's just, okay. It's almost like <laughs> the cost of doing business. It is. The, that's so often why America's fails. All of our biggest failures are when we make those kinds of concessions. And then 20, 30, 50 years later, we're going, now how did we end up here? Because you're fucking greedy and lazy. You keep listening to greedy and lazy half-Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Uh... And sometimes, I'm sorry, you know, you, you got to deal with your redneck cousin and put them in check. Because that's that's at any situation, in any ethnicity, in any culture, you have to have these kinds of internal battles. It's called evolution. Well, I mean, that, the Civil War was the internal battle. And then after the Civil War ended, they went back to being friends again, that's all. But that's not, it wasn't a complete evolution because you never finished, you never dealt with those elements that were at the no. core of the conflict. Okay. Well, the people, maybe, who, the people who sought maybe. power and secession by using, you know, black labor, at the end of the day, they were still ready to secede because they wanted to keep their power and position. It wasn't never about the United States. It was about the Confederacy because the Confederacy as an entity would allow them to keep power. They wanted to be that next generation of and petty they power. They got, they got to implement Jim Crow, and so therefore. Yes. So they ruled but, on a, the north it was like appointing local governors. But the uh, the the north is not against that. The no, because it gave the north the order. The north got well, to keep well, order. Well, and, and they never really thought that blacks were equal. No one, no one ever thought. Even if you thought that blacks weren't slaves, even abolitionists didn't think blacks were equal. Yeah, that was a big part of it. <laughs> you know, so um, these are. Both your enemies, technically. Abolitionists and slave owners. (laughs) Which is why, okay, but now you see why I'm not a fan of our modern parties and our current setup. I'm not a fan of our modern parties either. We're still making that same stupid choice of lesser or two evils. No, no, no. I don't believe that crap. No, I'm not a fan either. But um, I do believe you've got to participate, though. I don't believe in uh, yes, you know, but you do it in effective ways. I, I think a lot of the a lot of our participation is wasted. I don't mean you and I specifically. Yeah. But one of the things I wanted to talk about today is how 
our efforts are wasted as a group, you know, when it comes to <laughs> legislation and positive. getting something effective. <laughs> I said, don't be too positive. <laughs> I am being positive. I mean, if you look back, as you want to do, you did have major legislation passed. I mean, what kind of major legislative pushes have we seen in recent years? It's a shame when, uh-huh. you know, you can handpick here and there a couple of good pardons from Obama and Trump did some education did he, reform. They were like weed dealers and shit. Uh, they were some of the early uh, pushes towards prohibition, weed dealers, stuff like that. Pardon, Trump pardoned weed dealers? No, Trump did some education reform with uh, prison education systems. No, Ob- Obama, who did Obama pardon? A, a bunch of uh, potheads and shit. I'm sure he pardoned some that. other people. Yeah. I know that. Because uh, Mumia and, uh, uh, <laughs> and H.R. Brown are still in jail. But anyway. <laughs> I leave that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's for another. A lot of Black Panthers are still in jail, but I leave that alone. I'll well, because Black alone. Panthers attacked that system, they got us. They're they're a problem. They got to stay locked up. As long as you don't, don't actually attack the system itself, the danger is changing the status quo. The danger is making it, you know, the system do it what it's supposed to do for people instead of what it's supposed to do for select few question uh, sidebar I, I don't mean to digress did you see uh, uh, Judith in the Black Messiah no okay okay, okay. I, I actually saw it I saw it I saw it late but I saw what did it. you I think uh, you know it's just I, I like I like uh, I like the history so uh, you know as I'm watching it and through the figures I got, I'm researching the figures and some of the backstories um, the movie itself yeah uh, it's, it's serviceable um, okay. it, it may not be the most positive thing because they're focusing on the snitch or the the, 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 the Judas is the main character. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's important that we understand that too. That's an important message, especially considering most movements for any type of black liberation or actual civil rights pushes, which benefits every freaking body, have been infiltrated and usually our leadership murdered. That's a big fucking deal that is no, constantly overlooked yeah. in American history. Well, you know, what about if the, other the, nations the, were doing that, we'd be like, hey, they need some freedom. Call the Marines. <laughs> you know? But the but the but there, there's a philosophy behind even a, a, a Fred Hampton that you don't really get to examine because I'm concerned about what uh, Williams is, is thinking. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going into his mind. His faithful. What about yeah, well, let's, let's look at the guy who's trying to fight for liberation. Let's think about how he's thinking, you know what I mean? But I, um, that's, yes, that is very important. We need to have those stories. But this is a story that needs to be out there, too, so people are not so freaking naive. And people it's, understand it's not, the situation that they're actually in. When you may be a perfectly peaceful individual. Again, Martin Luther King was the vanilla of side of the coin here. And he ended up getting shot. And he also had how many tapes made on him by the freaking FBI? They should not have been investigating him. They should have been investigating the crazy-ass white supremacist who shot him. Well, he was under. That's the key. The the feds were actually on location uh, observing Martin Luther King when he got shot. They were right there. Again, 
you know, we had the wrong priorities. We as in the government there. The people the who were actually trying to make you live up to what you preach, you know, in our founding documents was the one that was under investigation. Not the actual threat. The people who were white supremacists walking around talking about their, their goal is destroying the United States. The feds were on location and the guy got away and escaped to England. <laughs> the feds are on location. Priorities. And he can't, not only does he get away, but he gets to get out the country. He was captured in the UK. But anyhow, I say have to say, yeah, I just found it interesting, some of the characters. Uh, one of the characters in particular was a guy by the name of Bobby Rush. Uh-huh. And um, I forgot the guy who plays him in the movie. The uh, reason why Bobby Rush is, is, is interesting is because uh, Barack Obama, so Bobby Rush uh, went on to, now he's currently the congressman from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Bobby Rush. And um, he was very active with the Black Panther Party and, the, you know, the, the, the food program, the whole nine. Yeah. And Obama, who comes from Hawaii, goes to Harvard, moves to Chicago, tries to challenge him for for, for state senate. <laughs> I was like, and my mind was like, what made Barack Obama think he could beat this guy? I mean, this guy has a record. This guy got a history. Yeah, I but mean, he went to Harvard. Put, huh? He went to Harvard. <laughs> this guy was putting his life on the line when he was 20, 19. And you want to challenge him in Chicago? <laughs> he said that. So that was the only election that Barack Obama ever lost. Um, there you go. He challenged Bobby Rush for state Senate. I thought that was rather interesting. That's, uh, this I have to look that up. I honestly, I have to look up Obama's. Uh, organizing career because I'm not that familiar with it to be honest with you. Oh, he organized in Chicago. Yeah, you can organize. Yeah, he organized in Chicago. I know that part of it, but I'm talking about well, what you can't organize like compared to Bobby Rush organizing. <laughs> Bobby Rush did that's what I mean. Years. You know, <laughs> I still, you know, I feel skittish about even using that word. You know, you do what do you do? Uh, I talk cool. to people and have <laughs> meetings and shit. <laughs> you know. That's cool. This is Bobby Rush. I, I, exactly. That, that's a title that should be reserved for certain individuals. You know, you start a union. He was in the apartment when Freddie got killed. He had just left right yeah. before the cops came, I believe. After the movie, I'm not sure. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's. It, it, I just I just thought that was interesting. I found that interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for being ballsy. I'll give you that, but. Yeah, yeah, I believe, in, and I do believe in democracy. Don't tell me, don't get me wrong. I believe in democracy. I believe everyone should be challenged. But I didn't. I, I find it surprising that he could come from Chicago. He can move just move to Chicago, and this is the man you're going to challenge. Right? Well, kills me. He's like that would be the kind of person, especially if, as a quote unquote Democrat and as an organizer, you wouldn't. Wouldn't that be the kind of a campaign or a politician that you would go and like, be like their understudy? That would be the kind of person that me personally I would look to learn from, not come out the bat and be like, "Yeah, I'm going to run against that." You know, why? Wait a <laughs> that, you know, so I've always had questions about Mr. Obama, but the more I do learn, the bigger the the more that list of questions grows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he. You know, it, it's a good thing his opponent was Hillary, because then I mean, fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. South make fight. South may fight. Yeah, another another kind of uh, candidate. Uh, he wouldn't have fared so well, but Hillary, yeah, 
you can beat up on a hill. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it's been a, it's been a great show this far. But uh, in re- going back to the beginning of the show, um, Cornell West, I just yes. want to take a moment to, to reflect on Cornell West. He's still with us. Um, Some good news. He's one of the. Uh, I would. I mean, I put Cornell West up there with with Louis Farrakhan, and in my pantheon of folks who are still around, who who. I actually got a chance to meet Cornell West yeah. uh, King Day a few years back. He was doing a book sign, and I have a picture with him. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he, he just admires courage. So speaking of Barack, as someone who's able to call out Barack on the public oh, stage, yes. <laughs> that is. Cornel I was so West. happy when he was. Yeah, so I, he was one of those few people, especially in the early days, where it was like, okay, I'm not crazy, you know. Because this is even before I, I met, you know, you guys at Community First and everything. And it's like, what the, how does the rest of the planet not see this? Yeah. <laughs> what the, I, I understand he has a nice speaking voice, but is it hypnotism? <laughs> he said he has a nice speaking voice. <laughs> you know, is he telepathic? What the fuck is going on here? How do people not understand what is happening? Jedi mind trick. Something. Like I need to learn thing. that. Because holy shit, isn't it? You know, when he started talking about clean coal, <laughs> I knew something was wrong. How the fuck did he make it this far? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I'm sure know, the teachers are still to... waiting for him to show up at one of their <laughs> strikes. <laughs> well, the must-read must is uh, Race Matter. Race mm-hmm. Matter? Uh, it, it, it's a seminal text. Um, uh, now, Corner West is Someone I admire who is interesting because he's not a nationalist. I mean, no. he, he doesn't espouse nationalism, but that's okay. But he he does espouse right and wrong. And if well, we that's have all a, that counts. You know, that is the premium. However, uh, that won't get us to. I use this analogy: mm-hmm. if you're in a basketball game and it's halftime and you're down by twenty, right? You're down by twenty, sixty mm-hmm. to forty. And both teams score 30 points in the second half. What's the, going to be the final score of the game? Yeah. You lose by 20. So, you know, we got to do something um, like affirmative action type <laughs> in order to try to even the score. And Cornell West won't allow us to even the score. You don't think and so? I, I think Cornell that. West would be for programs like affirmative action. But then again, who ends up benefiting most from affirmative action? Well, I would say no because you know things like the black church. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not a proponent of like you know black HBCUs. I don't think he's a proponent of HBCUs. So no, Cornell West. I, no, that, Cornell West Ivy Leaguer. Remember, right? He was. Well, he just got America. denied. Didn't he just get denied tenure? So he may have changed his opinion on that. No, uh, he just went to another white institution. He's at Union. He's here in New York at Union Seminary. So no, uh-huh. he, yeah, he's not a proponent of. Yeah, he's not a nationalist. So those things are signed in, but that's okay. Right. As long as we have nationals exist, I don't need everyone to be one. I just yeah. need there to be <laughs> something. Exactly. And you need again, you need that dichotomy. You need those alternatives. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, we we need uh, a, a desperate thought. We, we need a variety of, of thought processes uh, in order to build a nation. So, um, I like. Seeing, I got to see him in person once and 
it was him just tearing Bob Avakian apart in a debate. It was <laughs> awesome. I got to see one of my favorite people make fun of one of my favorite idiots. It was awesome. Where, where was that at? It was in Harlem, so it was even in oh. a good place. It was great. We we went to see him do a Martin Luther King Day program at uh, BAM in Brooklyn. Ah. And then he did the book signing after. Yeah, 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 yeah. The great Cornell West. The great Cornell West. I mean, a great analysis. He's, he, I would say he's the closest thing to the boys we have today. And in a, I mean, I'm not saying younger the boys. I'm saying older boys. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. that was very reflective. And he is media savvy. No matter what he does, no matter what he may purport, he is a media savvy person. He does a good job of being a spokesperson, I guess. And I and I don't think he's a money guy. I don't think he's a guy who does everything for a dollar. You know, um, he doesn't appear uh, to. No, he doesn't. He, he lives a very simple life. Um, sometimes I actually I've seen him. Uh, he, I think he lives up in the Upper West Side, by mm-hmm. Morningside Heights, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, but uh, that's about it. It's almost our time. You have any closing thoughts for the brothers and sisters out there in Radio Land? Sure. Rob, take something from Cornell West. You know, if you don't desire something, then the enemy doesn't have anything to tempt you with. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Okay, okay. I see you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to counter that with something else from Public West, from, from Brother Cornell, Dr. Cornell West. Uh, never forget that justice is what love looks like in public. Oh. All right. Till next time. Next week, uh, we're going to have a discussion about the judicial judiciary. Uh, we didn't get to it. We didn't get a chance to jump into that. Um, with the importance of the court, right, and uh, the mockery that's being made of it, uh, especially here in New York, especially here in Queens, New York. And so we're going to discuss that. Uh, uh, so for on the Wake Up Radio, the sister Cindy Ashby on the boys, shout out. Don't forget to check us out on otw2.com. Uh, Brother Rob, <laughs> my name is Oz Bryan. Uh, peace to all my Africans, my Africanettes, and those of you who are African and Jason. Till next time. So here it is, y'all. Are you tired of being censored? Shadow banned? Shit, are you just tired of creating content and making these platforms famous? Well, I'm asking you to support OTW2. It's the black YouTube. Why, you may say? Because our content is important and necessary. And because anytime we tell the truth, they shut us down on their platform. So we are behind enemy lines, so we cannot complain. We just got to move accordingly, smarter. So since we know many of our people won't just jump ship and go to a black site, what I'm telling you to do is don't post everything that is great on their platforms. Give them perfect people a 10-second snippet, a 15-second snippet, and make them come to OTWTube and come check you out. Support black things or stop complaining. Because only unity, black unity, and black economics can change our situation. Wake up, y'all. OTWTube is where it's at. Look it up. Flawed individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Deang. Cindy Ashby Production. On the Wake Up.